Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are only two occurrences recorded in the Gospels in which Jesus weeps. Both occasions happen quite close to each other. Not long before Holy Week, Jesus received word from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus was ill at their home in Bethany. And Jesus continued where he was at, probably on the other side of the Jordan River, for two whole days before he says to his disciples, it is time now to go to Bethany, a city which is about two miles away from Jerusalem. By the time Jesus arrived there in Bethany, Lazarus had been dead for four whole days. Martha, seeing Jesus, came up to him and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha replied, saying, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus declared to her these words by which the church continues to take much comfort. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus then went to the place where Lazarus had been laid, and many were weeping. And here, John reports in chapter 11, Jesus wept. Then Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead by speaking these simple words, Lazarus, come out. This account provides much comfort for us Christians. We can see the power that Jesus has over death and over the grave. We can see our Lord's compassion that he has. We can see how our Lord, Lord's humanity also as he weeps. We can know from this that Jesus can turn our tears of sorrow into tears of gladness. Now, the second time in which Jesus weeps occurs in our gospel reading. Here, the events kind of occur in an opposite manner. Instead of there being sorrow turned to joy, there is a tar time of joy which immediately becomes a time of somberness, of melancholy, of sadness. Because the occasion in which today's gospel takes place is Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19 has recorded before this gospel our Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So he rides on a donkey into Jerusalem. There are the shouts of Hosanna, the people, the crowd singing joyously, save us now as their king fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament as Jesus enters Jerusalem. And now Jesus, upon entering the city, looks upon the city and weeps, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for your peace. Imagine being among this crowd. Imagine having heard the joyous sounds of this crowd, participating in it, and then hearing Jesus 
begin to weep, that they did not know the things that make for their peace, nor did they know the time of their visitation. I'm sure some were perplexed, wondering what he could possibly mean. Many were probably thinking, well, do we not have the things that make for our peace? Uh, do we not have the very scriptures, that Old Testament Bible, which, which was written for our learning? Many would have been thinking, do they not have the temple, which was needed for worship in those days? Do they not have a loyal and dedicated priesthood? Do they not have the scribes who keep on copying the Bible so that it would be available to all who would want to read it? Why then would Jesus announce that they did not have the things that make for their peace? I think at this point, it would be helpful for us to make a distinction between a comfortable church and a comforted church. A comforted or, or a comfortable church will seem from the surface to be a fantastic, a great church. Perhaps a, attendance numbers are good and the budget is met. The people there are happy, maybe attended mostly by the more affluent citizens. The comfortable church reads the Bible, but probably is uninterested in getting into those details which may bring about division. It's the place where all the good memories are made, of course, with their baptisms and weddings, along with beautiful celebrations of Christmas and Easter. Not much is required of the people in comfortable churches because they usually are large enough and organized enough where the administrative staff will take care of pretty much everything that needs to happen. That way, people can show up they can enjoy themselves and then they can go home. No responsibilities, but all a bunch of ease. How we long to have a church like this. No worries, no pushing ourselves, no sacrifices of our time, talents, or treasures. No need to get too much involved. But what the comfortable church usually lacks is true comfort. Or as Jesus put it, the things that make for their peace. The comfortable church may enjoy worldly comforts, but not the comfort that comes from above. The comforted church, however, relies on the mercies of God, trusting in Christ above all things. The focal point is Christ and him crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sins. The comforted church has peace with God because Christ is proclaimed, because the forgiveness of sins is declared and announced, because God's people uncomfortably confess their sin and receive the absolution. The comforted church lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. They understand that the Holy Scriptures constitute the sole source and norm of any legitimate Christian teaching. The comforted church certainly faces hardship, but knows that Christ is the head of the church, and he will bring his church through all cross and trial to be with himself in glory. The comforted church hears the uncomfortable law and desires to abide in it. We in the comforted church will be terrified of our sin, but yet we will confess our sins before God 
and cling to Christ who will cancel all of our sins out. Our consciences are comforted by the gospel, and so we claim Christ as our advocate and our defender. We claim his righteousness as the way by which we can be declared acceptable before God in heaven. So we have the things that make for our peace, and we, despite the uncomfortable things in this world, have the comfort which only God can provide. Jeremiah was sent by God to preach Christ and bring comfort to God's people, but most of the Jews rejected Jeremiah's ministry, and they wanted a comfortable church instead. They figured that they could stray slightly away from God's word and all will be good, that no hardship will come upon them. They thought that it was safe to adopt other gods and adopt false worship practices of their pagan neighbors. They thought that since the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord is in their midst, they would be safe and God would never carry out the threats that he had written in the books of Moses or that the prophets who have been declared, who have been raised up by God since have declared. Over a century earlier, God had said, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. You see, the comfortable do not see danger, the danger of their being unaware of the truth. Paul writes about the, ignorant of the ignorance of the Jews in today's epistle, how they would not listen to or receive Christ. And many today want to transform Lutheran, our Lutheran churches into these types of comfortable churches. They want our churches to depart from God's word, ordaining anyone that they think should be into the ministry. They want to have Lutheran churches commune anyone regardless of what they may believe. And they want our Lutheran churches to embrace and accept the rampant immorality that is going on all, up, all around us. And for many who call themselves Lutheran, they find this to be rather appealing. For they want to be comfortable in their ignorance of divine truth. But when some portions of scripture are replaced with lies, then God's people would live in confusion and they are ultimately robbed of the gospel, the very thing that makes for their peace. Jeremiah had lamented that God's house had become a den of robbers, a den of thieves. Yes, the holy sanctuary in Jeremiah's day had become their den. Now, if you think about it, what is a den? But a home mainly for flesh-eating animals or animals that have no problems destroying, like foxes, bears, bobcats, and raccoons. These animals, they have a den. It's their safe place. It's their haven. And they leave their dens to go out and devour. Liars who hurt other people with their smooth speech and comfortable-sounding lies have made the temple their home. And then they went out with their lies devouring others in Jeremiah's day and, as Jesus points out, in his day. They led God's chosen people to believe that they may believe what they want, do what they want, and live however they want as if God has no say over his people 
and as, and as if the only thing that matters is that God's people remain sincere. While they thought this would make them comfortable, they were running after other gods to their hurt, and they were placing themselves under the bondage and slavery of their own sin. And of course, then, they were not comforted. Their homes were destroyed and they were departed. They were deported into foreign lands, just as God had warned through the many prophets whom he had raised up, including Jeremiah. And now, in today's gospel on Palm Sunday, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, predicting that the same thing will happen to them again. King Herod, at that time, knew how to keep those people comfortable. He had spoiled the Jews by building the grandest temple that Jerusalem had ever seen. Its construction with all the courtyards and additions took decades. The people loved it. And so they were especially scandalized when Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Of course, talking about the temple of his body. Despite their anxiety of being ruled by foreigners like Herod, they were still very comfortable, and the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees increased their notion of being, un, or of being comfortable. This past Tuesday, August 16th, marks the anniversary of the fulfillment of this prophecy. In the year of our Lord, 70, just 40 years after Jesus uttered these words that Jerusalem will be leveled, this happened. Jerusalem was destroyed. Now the comfortable, they also do not see the danger of their love of mammon. The last week we heard Jesus teach, you cannot serve God in mammon. They have made God's house a den of thieves. Those who were too poor to bring a lamb for the sacrifice as commanded by the Old Testament law were permitted by the Old Testament law to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons as their sacrifice. These are birds that they would normally be able to go out and catch, and then they could bring them in if they didn't have the funds to, to, to part with an animal of their own. But instead, what was happening is that there were people selling these birds for top dollar, trying to make as much as they could off the poor, they did not use God's house as a place for mercy, but they used it as a place for money changers and as a place for them to advance themselves. And so Jesus weeps. They had rejected the promised Messiah. They were about to be sentenced. These people were about to sentence Jesus to death. They did not know what truly made for their peace, nor did they know the time of their visitation. Jesus weeps because they would be destroyed. Jerusalem destroyed by the Romans and the temple permanently leveled. The comfortable also do not see the danger in being unprepared. In Jeremiah's day, the Jews were unprepared to see the, this foreign nation, the great country of Babylon, rise up against them. They thought that they could make treaties. They thought that if they showed the temple off that they would be left alone. Boy, were they wrong, as the Babylonians, without any mercy, came in and deported the people and plundered the temple and took the possessions away. In Jesus' day, he said that they did not know the time of their visitation. 
That is, they did not know Jesus as the Christ, even though through his signs and wonders, through his preaching, he showed that he is the very promised Messiah, the Lamb of God who is to come to take away the sin of the world. These people were unprepared when Jesus came in mercy to reconcile them to their father. Their lack of knowledge and their love of mammon result, resulted in their being unprepared. The comfortable today are also unprepared. They are not prepared to come to the Lord's altar to feast on him. They are not prepared should their lives be required of them tonight. They are not prepared should Jesus return today in glory. For they are comfortable in their sins, assuming that Jesus will only require of it, them of it at a later time. The comforted, however, are those who have been crushed by the weight of the law. That might seem wrong, but it is the way of the comforted. We have heard the law. We know what God requires of us. We know our many sins, how they are before us. And we know that we deserve nothing but temporal punishment and eternal death for our sins. So how then can we be comforted having heard this crushing weight of the law? We are comforted because we have heard the things that make for our peace. We lay our sins before Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, knowing that he will take all our sins away, that he will replace our filthiness with his very righteousness, and that he will declare us to be righteous and holy on the last day. Because that is our standing before God, that we are blameless before him, we are comforted. We are comforted in knowing that we are children of God, baptized into our Lord Jesus Christ. We are comforted in knowing that even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are comforted because Jesus comes to us with the gospel. He lavishly imparts to us his forgiveness. He unconditionally loves us and he grants us the peace which surpasses all understanding as we are reconciled to God our Father. We have the very things that make for our peace. We have the pure word proclaimed here. We have knowledge of the Son of God. We have the sacraments administered rightly. We have repentance proclaimed, and the Holy Spirit imparts faith. As the comforted, we abide in God's word so that we know the truth and it sets us free. As the comforted, we do not seek solace in mammon, but we seek peace through Christ, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And as the comforted, we are ready for the return of Jesus, praying continually, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. Those in the comfortable church will weep when their earthly props give way and they realize that they have been led by laws, by lies. And even we will weep in the comforted, cho in the comforted church as we enjoy God's peace, for we will suffer hardships, we will endure persecution, we will see us give in to the impulses of our flesh and sin gravely, but then we will turn to our Lord Christ, who forgives us. We will endure our crosses of being Christ's disciples, and we will also sacrificially give to the Lord of our time, talents, and treasures. And in doing this, we will continue to cling to Christ who redeems us, 
the very Lord who has risen from the grave and the one who promises to give us an eternal place with him in paradise. Let's praise God that we do not have the hallmarks of a comfortable church, but instead that we, he has gathered us into a comforted church. Christ Jesus meets us with his mercy, pouring his grace out upon us generously. And despite whatever challenges come our way, whether in our daily lives or in our congregational life, we know that Christ is for us. He loves us and he will be with us. He has a plan. He has a purpose in all things. And so we will, as the people who followed Jesus into Jerusalem did, hang on to these life-saving, life-giving words of peace and comfort. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.